Thank you for listening to the Grace Harvest Church podcast. For more information, go to graceharvestchurch.org. Well, you know, we've been, uh, especially if you're new here, so you know, we've been doing a series in our church for several weeks, and this series is called DNA, and DNA specifically, the spiritual identity of Grace Harvest Church. So we're looking at who we are, what makes us a unique expression of Jesus' body in Moses Lake. And uh, the last few weeks, we've been focusing on this particular point, and that is the Grace Harvest Church is a Holy Spirit welcoming church. And we're going to continue on that theme today. Grace Harvest Church is a Holy Spirit welcoming church. So I have a question for you, and I've used this question many times before in the past when I've spoke on this particular subject, this particular topic, but it is this question here. Have you received power in your Christian life? Do you have power? It's a legitimate question. Do you have power? Do you have a a presence, an influence in your life that is different from before you believed in Jesus Christ? Is there an influence in you that moves you toward God? that helps you overcome temptation and sin, and that gives you the ability to tell others about Jesus Christ? Do you have power? Is your faith merely an intellectual faith? Mental assent? Agreement with facts? Boxes that you can check off? Yeah, I believe that, I believe that, I believe that. Or is there something more to your faith? Do you have a residing, ongoing power in your life that is different from when you didn't believe in Jesus? You know, Jesus promised us this in Acts chapter 1 verse 8. He said, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Jesus promised us we would have power. And I shared with you last week that word power is dunamis, right? Where we get dynamite, dynamic, dynamo. So, so do, do you have a dynamo in you? That's, that's my question. And really, you don't have to answer me, because you don't have to answer before me, right? Ask yourself this question in your life. Do you have power that, you've, that you didn't have before? You see, part of the DNA of our church is that we are a Holy Spirit welcoming church. The Holy Spirit gives us the power we need to live for Jesus and to make Him known to others. God wants people to know that He sent Jesus. He wants people to know that they can be rescued from the power of darkness. And darkness is real. There is a palpable presence of darkness, even in our own land. And many of us recognize it. And and there are times when we come into contact with it. And we know that's evil. That's blatant evil. And the reality is, is none of us will really know how to interact with that evil, how to overcome that evil, unless we have a power of God upon us and within us. We can't do it in our own human strength. If you've ever tried to resist certain temptations, certain evil in your own life, certain addictions in your own life, you know as well as I do that you can't beat them alone. 
You need power. You need help. Am I talking to anybody? You see, he sent the Holy Spirit to empower us, to rescue us from that darkness, and to reconcile us to himself. Jesus' death on the cross atoned for our sins and revealed that God loves us. But we need the power of the Holy Spirit to know this reality ourselves and to make it known to others. And so the question I want to start with again this day is, have you received power? And I want to look at why we need that power. I want to continue off of where we started last week and and look at why we need that power. And so the first thing I want you to notice today is that God promised us Power, the power of the Holy Spirit to clothe us so that we can do what we're called to do. Look at Luke chapter 24, verse 49. This is the promise. Do I have somebody in the booth? Is there any? Oh, good. Okay, I didn't see a face. Oh, is that you doing that? Oh, there you are. Hi, Edward. How you doing, man? Okay, God promised us the power of the Holy Spirit would come upon us and clothe us. And I want you to see this promise in Luke 24, 49. And I'm going to give you a little bit of background because you know how I like to do that. I want you to understand the text in the context. So here's the text in the context. Jesus has died on the cross, risen from the dead, and he's been appearing to his disciples for 40 days. He's on the Mount of Olives. He's in front of a large group of disciples. He's giving them kind of his last words, and he's about to do what's known as the Great Commission. A commission is when you send someone with power and with authority in your name with you backing them, right? And so Jesus is about to send them out into their world, backed by his power, the power of the kingdom, and he tells them to to, to wait for this promise, he says, the Father has promised him something. And so Luke 24, 49, we read this. And behold, I am sending the promise of my Father upon you. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And so that was at the 40-day point after Jesus had died and risen. And so on the Passover, at the Passover feast... Jesus was offered up just before the Passover feast. He was offered up and sacrificed. Three days later, he rose from the dead. Pentecost was a feast that was 50 days after Passover. So the word Pentecost means 50. Penta means 50. So 50 days after Passover and his sacrifice, the disciples are in Jerusalem. They've been waiting for 10 days since Jesus ascended. They're in an upper room in the city of Jerusalem. Pilgrims from all over the world, Jewish pilgrims and proselytes, those who've converted to Judaism, have descended upon Jerusalem. Its numbers have swelled by hundreds and hundreds of thousands. Family members, friends, Jewish people who've converted from all over North Africa and throughout the Roman Empire have all come. Ethiopian Jews, people from, as I said, from different um, nations in North Africa, all the way up into Europe, they've all descended into Jerusalem. Asia, Asia Minor, they've come, and they're there for the Feast of Pentecost. And while they're, all, all these people are waiting, uh, about 120 disciples are in a room, and they're praying, and they've been there for 10 days. They've been fasting, they've been praying, they've been waiting Jesus said a promise was coming. We don't understand what the Holy Spirit is exactly, but something's going to happen. And on that day, the Holy Spirit was poured out. And as the Holy Spirit was poured out, everybody in that upper room was filled. 
and they, they poured out into the streets. And the scripture says there were manifestations of the Spirit. There was a wind and there were signs as a fire upon them. And those are both Old Testament signs. Remember when the nation of Israel was being led through the wilderness into the promised land? They were led by what? They were led by a pillar, a cloud, and they were led by fire. And in other places, a wind blew, right? So we know that the Holy Spirit is now manifesting on the day of Pentecost to all these disciples. They're praying in this upper room, and like tongues of fire come upon their head, and a wind blows through, and they begin to speak in in different languages. They begin to speak in tongues. They pour out into the streets. People think they're drunk. Everybody's like, who is this group of crazy people? And, And all of these different proselytes from all over the world. They speak many foreign languages and they come up to see what's going on. And as the disciples are speaking, the 120 are speaking, they all hear their language being spoke. And as their language is being spoke, the wondrous works of God are being declared. Okay, so this has all happened. The promise is being fulfilled and Peter stands up. And I want you to see what he said. I want you to see his sermon. This is the fulfillment of the promise. Acts 2, 14 through 21. But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third day, third hour of the day. That would be 9 a.m. What's Peter saying? We don't have a bunch of early morning drinkers. I just want you to know that. These aren't 9 a.m. drunks, okay? So these are not drunk like you thought, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Now let me just say this. Joel uttered these words 550 years before this event. So 550 years before, in the second chapter of Joel, Joel prophesied a day was coming. Now Peter is standing up and saying, this wasn't just promised by Jesus. This promise goes all the way back into the Bible, and I'm going to show you another incident here in a minute. And and God has been telling us for a long time, I'm going to pour my spirit out on my people, and when I do, my voice is going to be heard, right? And so he says, but this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel, that in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Now, I want to ask a question in this room here. How many of you are flesh? Okay. And people that are not raising their hands are aliens. <laughs> Reptilians. From the, okay, you're, we know who you are now. Okay, so, yeah, I'm sorry. I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Any men out there that have been having more dreams? You have now moved from young to old, okay? Just want you to know that. Now, now, now I just got to stop you and tell you how revolutionary this is. You see, in the Jewish community, boys went to, to training as, as children and, and were put under rabbinic teaching so that they would learn Torah. Girls didn't get to learn that. The only people, there's a few examples of some female prophets in the Old Testament, but prophetesses, but most of the time when people thought about somebody prophesying the word of the Lord and speaking for the Lord, it was only men. And all of a sudden, there's this revolutionary prophecy that says, your sons and your daughters, what's it say? Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Now, what is prophesy? What does that mean? 
Some people have tried to say that, say, tried to say that all the prophecy is, is inspired preaching, but it's so much more. Biblically speaking, prophecy is both the forthtelling and the foretelling of the mind, will, and heart of God. To foretell is to speak God's mind, will, and heart for the present moment. It's God saying, this is the way I feel about this. This is the way I see this. This is what my thoughts are about this. This is, about my, this is my way. That's foretelling. Foretelling is when God begins to tell us of those things which are to come. It's predictive in nature, right? And so he's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on your sons and daughters. And they're going to speak my mind, my will, my heart for right now. And they're going to speak even of things to come. And this was only an inaugural event. This wasn't the whole deal. We learn later in Acts chapter 2 that Peter says, this promise is to you, to your children, to your grandchildren, and to as many as the Lord will call off in the future. It belongs to them. So God has a desire to pour his Holy Spirit upon sons and daughters of every generation so that they can speak, hear, experience, and see the mind, the will, the heart of God for the present moment and have insight into what is coming in the future. Am I talking to anybody? That's powerful. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy. Your young men see visions. Your old men dream dreams. And even on my male servants and my female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. And then he says this, And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the day of the Lord comes, the great and magnificent day. Now I'm just going to comment on that for a moment. The prophet Joel and Peter following up speaking what he said is using Old Testament prophets' apocalyptic language. I want to make this clear. When we look at this, what what is God saying? God is saying, what I'm doing in the heavens is also being done on the earth. The two are always connected. If you look at the Old Testament prophets, many times they prophesied about the rising and the falling of kingdoms, of nations, of leaders, of entire civilizations. And when they prophesied that, they used this kind of language. They talked about the mountains being brought low, and that mountain might be Babylon. That mountain might be Assyria. They talked about the, the sky, the sun being blotted out. And many times they were, talking about they were talking about leaders and spiritual forces that were over nations. So this wasn't just a literal thing that, you know, the sun's going to be turned to blood. We, have any of you ever seen the sun drip blood? It's figurative language. It's prophetic, apocalyptic language that is saying this. I'm going to begin to shake things up in the heavens and the earth, and all of it's going to participate. And as I work on the earth, and as and this is really powerful, as sons and daughters prophesy, as men and women prophesy, as they speak the word of the Lord out into the world, I'm going to start to change. Who's on top and who's on the bottom? I'm going to lift up the lowly, and I'm going to bring the proud and the arrogant down. That's what's being declared. And then he says... And it shall come to pass that everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall 
be saved. What's the ultimate end of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit of God on planet earth? That people would come to Christ, that people would be reconciled, that the lost would be found, the blind would see, the deaf would hear, the lame would walk, and the dead would be raised up alive in Christ. So that's, you know, let me just tell you, any church that wants to see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit has got to grapple with this idea The outpouring of the Holy Spirit isn't just so we can have a good time, so we can get goosebumps, so we can prophesy over one another and build each other up. That's all good. It's not just so people can speak in tongues, which is a wonderful gift and it'll edify you. It's not just so that we can have visions. It's not just so that sick people can be healed, but it's so all of this can, we can be filled up with God's power and spill out into our world and go to our jobs and go to our neighborhoods and go to our own families and bring something of God's life and power to them that they might be rescued from the power of darkness and sin. Amen. So the poured out Holy Spirit fulfilled that promise. God the promise giver, God is a promise keeper. Amen. The same God who said, I'll do it, came through and did it and continues to do it. Because God's always desired to give his spirit and his voice to his people. It's always been his desire. It's always been the heart of God since Adam and Eve fell in the garden to restore. Do you know in the garden when he walked with him, the scripture says that he came in the cool of the day. And that word cool of the day is the breath of God, which is spirit, ruach. And the scripture says that God came to them and walked with them in the spirit of the day, the spirit, his breath. And then it says they heard the sound. King James Version says they heard the voice of the Lord in the garden. So in the garden, there was the breath of God's spirit blowing. There was the voice of God. And now Jesus comes and restores human beings and pours his Holy Spirit. And what's the first thing restored? The spirit, the breath of God, the life-giving breath of God, and the voice of God. It's always been his desire. And we see this. I want to take you to another story in Numbers chapter 11, verses 25 through 29. I'll give you a quick background. How many of you remember a guy named Moses? Okay, so Moses is leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Remember the story? If you've never read it, it's really powerful in the book of Exodus. But he's leading all these people in numbers. He's leading them out of Egypt. They've been in bondage as slaves. And God has worked 10 miracles, 10 miraculous signs and wonders and plagues, and has weakened and judged all of the Egyptian gods. And now he's brought them out into the wilderness, and he's taking them, about 3 million or so of them, into the new land, what was Canaan as a promised land. And on the way, Moses is trying to take care of all the people's needs and there's arguments and conflicts and all the normal stuff you would have and he's trying to do it all on his own and his father-in-law comes to him one day and says, Moses, you need some help. Um, You need to raise up 70 elders to help you take care of governing this great nation. And so Moses brings all the elders together and uh, there's 70 of them and they're they're there and and then something happens. He calls on the Lord to anoint them to put the same spirit that's on him, on the elders. And watch what happens here, verse 25. It says, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke to him and took some of the spirit that was on him, that's Moses, and put it on the 70 elders. And as soon as, here it is again, and as soon as the spirit rested on them, they prophesied. Isn't that interesting? But they did not continue doing it. Now two men remained in the camp 
one name Eldad and the other Medad. Aren't those great names? And the Spirit rested on them. They were among those registered, but they'd not gone out to the tent, and so they prophesied in the camp. And a young man ran and told Moses, Moses, Eldad and Medad are prophesying in the camp. And Joshua, that's Moses' assistant, the son of Nun, um, from his youth, came up to Moses and said, Moses, stop them. But Moses said to them, are you jealous for my sake? Would that all the Lord's people were prophets, and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. Okay, so here's what happened. You got 70 elders here. Moses prays for the spirit to come on them. And yet two of them didn't show up to the party. And they're out in the camp. They're not even nearby. And the spirit fell on them too. And a couple of the, you know, Joshua and and a young man, they got upset. They said, wait a minute. They're not in our camp. And so they came running. Moses, you got to stop them. And what's Moses' response? Don't you understand? The Father, God, wants his people to have his spirit on them, all of them. And he wants all of them to speak the word of the Lord. So we see God's intention, Old Testament, fulfilled in New Testament, is that he would pour his spirit on every one of you. Is there anybody in here that's hungry for God? Anybody here that say, I want more of God? Who who in here would consider themselves to be a risk taker? You have a risk taking spirit. Keep your hand up for a minute. I want to look at you. Come on, let me see those hands. Katie's like, sounds like a setup to me. (laughs) Okay, so you're risk takers. Are Are you willing to take risks with the Lord? How many of you would consider yourself not to be a risk taker? You're more of a, I like the comfort, okay? Okay, it's okay, it's okay. It's, it's not a bad thing, okay? All right. Now, you know as well as I do that you need help becoming a risk taker, don't you? What I'm saying to all of you is if, if, you, if you claim you want more of God or you're a risk taker, God wants to do something in your life. See, see, some of you have never thought, you've thought, you know, Deline, Deline can get up here and prophesy on Sunday, but I could never do that, right? What if the Lord wanted you to? Or what if the Lord wanted you to send you to your neighbor with a word? With a word for them. I remember one time I was driving through Spokane with my family. All my kids were small. We were in our minivan, our blue Dodge Caravan. We're driving right through the city. As I'm driving along in my blue caravan, the the car I said I never wanted to own. I lost all my coolness at that moment. I'm driving along. I look over, I see a man sitting on his front porch. And immediately, the whole, I got my family in the car. The Holy Spirit says, go back and tell that man something for me. And I remember I'm like having an argument. Lord, that's weird. Why are you got, why has it got to be weird? Right? This isn't a service, right? I mean, and, and I finally, I, I'm driving down the road and I say to my wife, I say, Hannah, uh, there's a man sitting on, the, on his porch back there, and I feel like the Lord told me to drive back and go give him a word. She's like, you know, she's had this happen a number of times with me. She's like, yeah, go ahead. Right? So we turn around, park on a side road, lock all the doors. <laughs> and then I walk down the street, and I, I kind of go up to this house, and he's got a walkway, and I look at him, and I kind of wave, and I said, hey, c- can I talk to you for a minute? Sure. I walk up on his porch, and And I said, I was driving by and I saw you, and this is probably going to sound really weird to you, but every once in a while, God, like, puts something in my heart for people that I don't know. 
and I just felt like I had something to say to you. And he's like, okay. And so I gave him a word. I spoke to him. And I didn't, I didn't go, whoosh, whoosh, the Lord would say. I didn't, no theatrics, none of that. I just conversationally gave him a word. And it was exactly where he was at in his life at that moment. And he's like, man, I, I've been away from church and I've, I felt rejected and I've had all these health problems in my life. And I'd, I'd given him a word that the Lord wanted to heal him and restore his relationships and bring him back into fellowship with people. And I'm like, I don't know if this guy even believes in Jesus. And it was exactly what he needed to hear. And then I got in my van and I drove off and I felt so good because I obeyed the Lord. I did what he told me to do. You say, well, yeah, but you're Pastor Doug. I know that's the way people think. Like I got some kind of, you know, special line to heaven. I don't. I'm just like you. The only difference between us is, is, is I, years ago, I opened myself to, Lord, you can do what you want to do with me, even if I look foolish. And I don't always obey. I don't, have, I don't get it perfect. The Lord shows right here, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Sons and daughters, men servants, maid servants. I'll pour out my spirit and they shall speak my words to people. Speak my heart. Speak my mind, my will to people. But if we're not even, listen, I'm, I'm, trying, to, I'm trying to expand your mind. Some of you here are, are even, you've been closed in your life to the possibility of God using you like that. You haven't even entertained that possibility. And what I want to say to you is you need to let that, that barrier, that box be blown up and let the Lord do something new and fresh in your life because the Holy Spirit wants to use all of you. And you know, it doesn't have to be weird and you don't have to be weird. You can share Jesus with people in a very conversational, natural way. I'll just tell you one more story. Another time I was in Southern California, and I was with my wife, and we were in a grocery store. And I've shared this here before, so some of you are going to be like, oh, not that one again. I was in a grocery store, and I was walking by a lady who had no hair. So it was obvious that, and, you know, and, and, and you could tell she was maybe going through chemo or something. And I was walking by her, minding my own business, not wanting to do anything. And the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart and immediately just, I want you to pray for her. Oh, Lord. I'm, re I'm going up and down the aisles getting stuff, you know, and I'm just arguing the whole time, right? And I literally go up, check out, and I'm about to walk out of the store. And it was like the Holy Spirit was like, what are you doing? So I took my bags and I walked back in the store and I found her on an aisle. And I'm all the way there, I'm arguing, and I'm like, how do I do this without looking crazy? You know, <laughs> hi, lady. <laughs> Can I pray for you? God sent me. I mean, you can imagine, right? And I just walk up to her again, and I said, hello, um, I was walking by you down the aisle, and, and, um, and I assumed that you're going through a battle with cancer. And is that right? Yeah. And, um, and I know this might feel kind of weird to you, but every once in a while I feel like, you know, God wants me to stop and pray for people. Can I pray for you? And she didn't go, weirdo, get away from me. She was like, sure. And I just reached over and put my hand on her shoulder 
And I prayed for her. And I don't know, I never saw her again. I don't know if the Lord healed her. I don't know any of that. I was just being obedient because God gave me a word. I put my hand on her shoulder. I prayed the Lord would heal her. When I was done, she was crying and she said, thank you. And I walked out and I'm like, you know what? If nothing else happened today, this woman came into an encounter with the love of God in a tangible way. And that stuff changes the world. And God wants to do that with all of us. Amen. Yeah, thank you for the encouragement. See, the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out on all people, and there will be signs, wonders, tongues, prophecy, salvation, and it's not for just special people. Amen? And so I'm, gonna, I, I'm having to edit here a little bit on the way. I want to take you to one more text, and I want to illustrate this with um, a group of believers who needed the Holy Spirit. And what I want to do is I want to show you Acts chapter 19, and we're going to go over there. And let me give you a little bit of background. There was this group of Christians. They were already believers. It says that. I'll show you this in the text. They were believers in Jesus, but they had never received the power of the Holy Spirit. And they hadn't even been baptized in Jesus yet, but they were believers. And I want you to notice what happens to them. It says in Acts chapter 19, verse 1, when Apollos was in Corinth. Apollos was a, an apostle. Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast, where he found several believers. <clears throat> Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Isn't that interesting? They believed in Jesus. We know the Holy Spirit comes and regenerates people when they come to Christ, but they hadn't even heard about the Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked, and they replied, the baptism of John. So they hadn't even been baptized yet as believers. And Paul said, John's baptism called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. As soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So then they got water baptized. Then Paul, notice this, then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied. So I want you to notice that when the Holy Spirit came, the Spirit and the voice, and they began to speak and they spoke words of prophecy to one another. Paul laid his hands on them. And so what I'm saying is there might be some of you that are in this room today and you believe. You've trusted Jesus. You know you're forgiven. Maybe you've never been water baptized yet. I want to encourage you, be water baptized at our next baptism service. But there's even more than that. I feel like a salesman on a television. Course. But wait, there's more. Yeah, right? There's more. And the more is the Holy Spirit wants to be poured upon you to empower you that you might go out and be the voice of God to the world around you. Any candidates for that? All right. Praise the Lord. Why don't you stand with me?